I mean, back in 2018, before this recent or more modern movement toward deconstruction mm. um, and I guess decolonization is what some people, you know, they use, some people use the term synonymously. Um, I don't know. I, I see them as two different projects, which is why I put forth a different framework, you know, for mm. how to approach um, decolonized discipleship, which is like, I'm just really calling us to disentangle. Um the, the Christian faith, the Eastern Christian faith, um, from the sinful um, mechanisms and additives uh, of American Christianity and those trappings that are uh, ensnaring many people and are really a stumbling block to a lot of people. Um, rightfully so. You know, so to me, I, I thought it was important to be able to say, like, no, this is legitimate. The, the pains, the hurts, the things that you're witnessing, they're legitimate, legit, you know. Um, but don't, <laughs> don't forsake Jesus, you know, don't throw away the face, you know, behind these things. There, there is, you can get to the other side. We won't stand by, we are steadfast, you see, we got open eyes, as wide as catastrophe, when waters divide. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. I'm Seth. This is the Can I Say This at Church podcast. We're here. We are doing it. My apologies for missing last week. There was a lot going on and I won't get into all of that. We all know how life is sometimes. And so anyway, that is where we are at. Now, I have a good episode for you this week. So Akimini from... um. Truth Table Podcast is on the show. Now, she and her co-hosts have written a book, and I will tell you, so it is this month's patron book that is going out, and um, yeah, it is very, very good. And so we talked briefly about some of the chapters that she wrote. She wrote four chapters in that book there, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed my time with her. And so with that said, without any further rambling from me, let's rock and roll. Welcome to the podcast. I'm glad that you're here. Um, I'm sorry that I could not bring your co-authors and co-hosts with you. Um, yeah, my my calendar keeps moving. Uh, we were talking just a minute ago with whatever little league and my three children's extracurricular activities and or school decides mm-hmm. to say is more important than the rest of the world. So I apologize. But good morning and welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to have to be here. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> See, 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 that's the old habit. See, because that's, yeah, glad to have you. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so a um, couple questions just to kind of frame you. So when you try to say, here's what an Akemeni is, what is that? Like, who and what is that? Uh, well, yeah. Um, so I'm um, a public theologian, um, uh, but most importantly, I'm a th- child of God. Um uh, and I see myself as a servant of the Lord, more specifically a public servant um, of the Lord. And so, um, so yeah, so I do a lot of um, uh, God talk in public and from the Truth Table podcast to now 
the Truth Table book, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, where now I'm officially an author, mm. <laughs> uh, but also a writer. And so I've written for The Atlantic, Washington Post, and um, Hallmark Mahogany. I'm a contributing writing th- writer there and also um, have been on the uh, Racial Justice Commission for the Aspen Institute. So I work in a lot of different states, spaces, secular and non-secular. Um, mm. Yeah. Proclaiming the gospel. I knew most of those, though. I'm curious, what is the Hallmark thing? Like, is that because there's a channel and there's cards, and I'm sure there's other things that Hallmark does. Yeah, a newly developed writing community that they started at the beginning of this. Oh, wait, well, I guess toward the end of last year is when they started it, actually. Huh. Yeah, so that's a brand new, uh, you know, hub for for them. That's fun. I did not know they did that. Um, Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So... I know how much work doing a podcast is because I, I do this one by myself. So how do you jump from podcasting? Actually, why do you even do podcasting? I guess is a better question because that's always a question that I enjoy answering for people. And then sometimes I realize, shoot, 20 minutes later, what were we talking about? Um, kind of how did you get into that? And then why pivot into authoring a book? And 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 the book is, so it's going, so I, you don't know this um, and I haven't told your co-hosts either. I send a book out to a few patron subscribers of the of the show each month, and so this book is next month's book. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's not a tremendous amount of humans, um, but I do find it a tremendously powerful book. Um, but well, yeah, so how do you get into podcasting and then pivot that into, like, why? why? That's a lot of work, like just a lot, on top of all the other things that you said you do. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Podcasting is definitely a full-time job. I'd love to be paid full-time for that. <laughs> Whoever's listening. Where's the line for that? I'll get in that line. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, yeah, I, well, honestly, when we started podcasting, uh, none of us were really podcast listeners. Step one, step two, we didn't know what we were getting into. <laughs> we were just like, okay, we'll show up <laughs> and talk about things and go on our merry way. Like, wait, no, wait, hold up. This is a business? <laughs> what, what do we do? <laughs> keep this thing up <laughs> wait I have to pay taxes I have to pay ta- okay I like, well this is okay <laughs> uh, so we got more than we bargained for uh, and definitely more than we got. Um, and so uh, initially what happened uh, how True Table even came to be was that the producer for Pass the Mic Bo York reached out to me and said hey you know um, we were in St. Louis at a conference together and he was like you should have a podcast you know and I was like eh I don't know if I want to carry a show by myself, you know, much talk, much opportunity for sin. So I was like, I don't know if I really want to do that. And I just don't really like the spotlight on me yeah. um, too, you know, too much. Honestly, I don't want to, I never wanted to be able to um, see myself. Um, I think sometimes people end up building their own kingdoms, mm. you know, and they find themselves in a one-sided competition with God. <laughs> and so I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that. And so he was like, well, what about, um, if you, Michelle and Christina started a, um, a podcast and I was like, that might work. Mm. I was like, we started a group chat a couple months ago and that's been really fun and cool. And so I just asked them, Hey, would you guys want to start this? Would you want to do a podcast? And which one of you is editing it? Cause it's not me. Right. And I was like, well, pray about it. <laughs> no, we didn't even know. We didn't even know about any, any of that. I'm telling you, we were really like, like, I don't know. We had Same. no clue. What, we really didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and so they both came back with a yes. And so we're like, okay. And Bo was the one that was like, we'll, we'll produce it and take care of everything. Mm. You know, like, okay. On the back end. And I was like, great. Excellent. They don't take care of the back end. There's no true step because 
We're not editing. Yes, we produce. We absolutely produce. We're over production, all of that. But uh, the directions of the show, the topics, the series, that's what truth, us all truth table, the name, all of us, but the creative content. But the technical editing. But I hand them a file and then it comes out on the internet somewhere. Yeah, and they put it out. That's it. Um, yeah, I do the show notes, do all that stuff. So anyway, that's how truth table uh mm-hmm. The podcast came to be. We came up with the name, came up with the tagline. Um, and then um, through the success of the podcast, we've been um, the, we've been podcasting for five years. And we're now on our sixth season. Um, about this, uh, in 2019, we were approached, I was approached by Penguin Random House to write a book uh, by an editor there. And I said, okay, I, had, I, had a, I have a book idea, you know, but I was like, I'm not ready. It's just still germinating pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she was like, well, what about a book for Truth Table? And we had been approached by a couple of other publishers to do a Truth Table book, but the money just wasn't there. There's three of us. So the money has to be, um, you know, at least sufficient enough for us to say no to certain gigs in order for us to say yes to this. Yeah. And so, um, so we did uh, sign with Penguin. And, well, the pandemic began and everything was shut down. We were accustomed to traveling all the time to speak, to do Truth Table Live, to do a whole bunch of whole host of things, if you will, in the before times. And um, we were <laughs> like, well, maybe this is the time, you know, to, yeah. to write the book. Maybe we'll have more time. We didn't, we all thought we were going to have more time. That didn't happen. But anyway, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> we signed the deal in summer 2020. And um, now we're here with a whole book now. Where is the book? Right here. I am jealous of that physical copy. You don't know this about me, but I don't talk to an author uh, about what we're talking about unless I've read every word that they wrote about what we're talking about, because I find that disrespectful to your time to come in here with some stupid, not stupid questions. That's the wrong way to say that. Um, I want to have the same energy you poured, like you bled things out onto a page. And so I would like to at least look at that blood before we before we talk about it yeah um but my wife gets mad if i could turn my camera to so to the left of me there's a bookshelf full of books many of them i purchased a lot of them i didn't and then to the right of me there's four stacks of books that are as tall as my six-year-old and my wife's like stop 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 so i only now ask for the digital books because then i can hide i can hide that 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 guilt and that shame of of, of. (laughs) that's so funny yeah um so you wrote four chapters in this book, correct? Yes, four, three, yes, four, each four. Of us, yeah, there's three of us, so we each wrote four chapters. Yeah. So yeah, so just at a high level. So the book's called Truth Tables. Um, Black Women's Musings, the rest is memorized and I don't have it. Fill it in for life, me. Love and Liberation. That's it. Yes, Life, Love. Yes, yes. Um, did y'all kind of work in one massive Google document or did you, you know, just write what was on your minds? Here's what's what happened and here's what we're talking about. And then we come back. Um, and there's some magic happens with the spirit and you're like, yes, see how these all go together. And I ask that because I ask the same question of every single human that's on this show. And at the mm-hmm. end of the year, I edit those into something else. Um, I assign everybody's answer a number and then I have my kids pick the numbers. And oddly enough, it always tells a story and I have nothing to do with that. And it is amazing and that will make more sense at the end of the episode when i ask you that question so i'm always fun when there's a collaboration of sorts i always find that fun so kind of how does that work for y'all yeah so um it's yeah so so what we did was for the book proposal you know the book proposal when it's time to put in our chapters i simply was like well you know we we each we just don't have time to macro manage each other we trust each other you know and we Mm -hmm. trust 
each other to do um to stay in our lane of expertise and do what we do and so i literally put in my chapters christina put in her chapters and her chapter summaries and michelle put in hers <laughs> and that's really what that was then when it was time to write we wrote you know um you know, in in isolation in that we didn't have a shared Google Doc. Like, mm. okay, here's my section for my chapters and yours. No, it was like, okay, write your chapters. Let's get it in for the deadline and submit it straight to the editor. So none of us saw each other's chapters um, through the process. Mm. So we didn't know really the content of what any uh, any either of us had written b- besides like little screenshots, like of like little, oh my ah. goodness, let's put this in the book. And, you know, things like that. But yeah. none of us read each other's chapters before. Um, editorial, um, the editorial process, our editor got the chapters. And then uh, we came together when it was time to edit the book. We wanted to get, we wanted to go to New York to edit the book in person together, just around the table. Um, but because of, um, at, at that juncture in the um, pandemic, we still didn't have vaccines yet. So we weren't able yeah. to do that. Yeah. And it surges and which a surge is happening right now. Um, mm. So we were like, okay, let's just do it on zoom. So we all edited, read, read our, book aloud mm. one by one and just read it okay stop say that again uh, rework that you know like yeah literally that's how we uh um huh how the truth table book came to be and so yeah there was a lot of trust in that process because yeah we did not read each other's chapters huh. before like, yeah. you need to rewrite this or do another topic and that's not the case <laughs> <laughs> well you have and what we have and we're gonna work with that so that's yeah that's what we yeah, no, I like that. Um, so of the four chapters, I know which one is the hardest to write because I think you say so at the beginning of it. It's the ep- the the episode. It's the chapter on colorism. I'm curious which one just kind of naturally flowed out, though, of the four that you wrote where you're like, mm, yes, yes, absolutely. I've been trying to say this for four years, and I'm glad that you're letting me. Like, which is yeah, the one? Yeah that's, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I have to think about Yeah, um, diaspora dreams. Blackness is the image of God. Mm. One. It's the, the brand new one that has no, I'm not building off of anything mm. um, uh, prior to this is like fresh and have been something I've been thinking about, you know, for years. So not yeah. as easy, but I, <laughs> but I knew I, I had somewhat of a direction in which I wanted to go and things I wanted to talk about. And so, yeah. Yeah. That was, it's the fine. That's the final chapter of the book, actually. It is. actually. So I have a couple questions on that chapter. So I have a couple questions from each of your chapters. Um, so in that chapter, you say there is no shortage of theologians who have proffered countless theories of what it means for human beings to be made in the image of God. Some say the image of God is functional and that it is what we do and not necessarily who we are. And so I think when people say the image of God, they usually are using it as at least the way that I was raised, um, that humans have superiority over everything everything because i'm the image of god I, i'm gonna dominate you i got my dog here that's not the image of god uh, although how could that not be that's, what, an, what an unconditional love creature however like can you talk to me a bit about the image of god and kind of how that waves its way into the overall narrative of this book oh yeah well yeah i think um well even from the beginning you know we talk we, the dedication is to um black women who considered leaving a church when their imago day was not enough when they're embodied uh, at where how God made them <laughs> in their embodied blackness has been made to be despised, denigrated, um, maligned, 
um, in a host of church spaces um, or, um, or, and not even just in the church, outside of the church, right? in, in America uh, on the whole. Uh, and so talking about, you know, who, who we have been made to be, how we have been created from our features um, to our mannerisms, you know, our way of speech, our way of life, um, all of those things reflect uh, the image of God, all of those things. Um, and, and, we have a body. <laughs> God chose us to put us to create us in this beautiful black bodies. And so we're trying to uphold that. And so, um, and, and I mean, unless we are Gnostics, <laughs> we affirm <laughs> that the flesh that God has created us in, that our embodiedness is a good thing. <laughs> not to say that we're perfect. We're not perfect. That's for sure. That's why we're being sanctified and being made more and more like Christ. But this is, it's a progressive sanctification, but it's not linear. That's yeah. for sure. Um, we go up, we go down, uh, that you know, we plateau, you know, we have our, we have our moments. Um, but I, yeah, but I think that you see that throughout the chapters, you know, from the, from the first page <laughs> of the book, that's not even page numbered, right? Because it's the, it's like literally the, the dedication to the end, you know, yeah. of the book and talking about um, what, what we don't know what we'll be like in heaven, but we know that we'll be like God, mm. you know, and we know that we will have a body just like Jesus has a body now <laughs> yeah. who's interceding for us now, unless we believe that he raised us cast for the friendly ghost, which I think a lot of Christians actually do believe <laughs> don't seem to believe. I'm like, you know, the, Jesus is embodied right now. <laughs> right now. He rose. This is a bodily resurrection, y'all. So, and we will rise too, you know. So, so trying to just get, I think in a lot of ways, I'm really just trying to get back to the basics and fundamentals of the faith. Because I think in a lot of ways, there's a real uh, profound um, biblical illiteracy and just, uh, I don't know, illiteracy with regard to just or just the faith overall. I'm like, y'all know this is a tenant of the faith. Just trying to get people, around. do you remember that? <laughs> so I recall this to mind and let it bless you, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. This isn't in your book, but when you said the word Gnostic, for some reason, I picture the current church, its unhealthiness in its body. And like, it's a body that has no purpose. It, am I, am I bending that word in the wrong way? I do not know enough about theology to know if I am. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't quite put it that way. I mean, I, I do, I think I do touch on a, a little bit of, um, NOS. I, I, I think I'd, I'd make a, an allusion to it anyway. In um, I think decolonized discipleship, I think. Mm. Um, and so maybe that's why it's there then who knows. I'm always terrified I, with the amount of podcasts that I've done that none of my thoughts are original anymore and they probably so aren't. Funny. Yeah, no, I mean, I would just say, you know, the, the church, you know, um, Jesus died for the church, you know, and that, which is why I'm committed to the church. You know, and so I think that the church is being perfected and being sanctified. And I do think that the American church, um, absolutely, God is going to, um, you know, is, is going to begin and is already um, beginning to, um, I guess, if you, if you will, begin to correct, mm. you know, some of the... Uh, some of the, the corruption, yeah. you know, here. And I thank God that the American church does not have the corner market on the gospel. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And that the American church in America is the outermost parts 
of the earth, okay? <laughs> and so being able to locate um, ourselves in there as Westerners is really, really important, I think. Yeah. You know, um, think about the global big church and the invisible church. That's a church that God sees. And the visible church is the church that we see, yeah. you know? Um, it's God that's going to separate the sheep from the goat. Um, that's not my job. My yeah. job is to be cool and to do what God called me to do. So yeah. that when it's my time, I can hear well done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amen on that. Yeah. So the first chapter of the book. So I was reading the book on vacation um, with my family. And, okay. and cause that's, you know, the, but we were up in the mountains. I, we literally intended to go up into the mountains. We were in a log cabin, very minimal. Like we're not talking on the cell phone. Like there, you, right. you either have the cabin number or you don't know the, where I am and that's it. Um, you know, and we loved it. Um, but it was amazing, um, to, to kind of detach from everything for a while and just play games with my kids and, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm reading the first chapter and I literally set it down and I was like, wow, that was, that was a kick to the mouth. Like I wasn't expecting that on colorism. Um, being that it's, the the whole book is framed, like we're writing this not to a white man. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but like, I'm not the intended audience. And so I, I was trying to read it with a lens of, okay, well, what is this saying to me? And like, I was not prepared for a chapter on colorism because I think you're right. A lot of people don't talk about it um, or they talk around it without saying it. And because it's never named, it's not really a thing. So for those listening that haven't read the book, shame on you. But but also you couldn't have bought it until today anyway. So um, <laughs> so what is... Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) So what is colorism? Like just that as a whole. And then I also want to kind of talk about that bleachification cream because that's not a thing that I was, sadly, I was ignorant Mm -hmm. of that. And like I read it and I was like, wait, what? I asked my wife and she's like, yeah, that's a thing. I was like, why? Like that, why? I'm struggling on my, like what the hell? Like I just, mm, you know, so can you talk to me a bit about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Colorism is, well, I, mean, I guess I could start with white supremacy is the why. Mm, um, fair enough. And, uh, the how of it and what of it is that colorism is, um, you know, uh, intra, well, it's, let me say it this way. It's interracial discrimination against people with darker skin people and preference for people with lighter skin tones. Um, and, Colorism is practiced outside of interracial groups. And so this happens within um, Black, Latinx, uh, Asian communities, pretty much um, non-white um, communities mm-hmm. all over the globe. Colorism mm-hmm. is, um, is, pre- is a present reality. Um, but it is also practiced by, uh, by white people outside of the group as well. And so who will either confer um, benefits uh, to lighter skinned people because of their proximity mm. <laughs> yeah. on the color spectrum, right? They're lighter, so they're a little bit closer, you know, um, in proximity with uh, regard to skin tone, you know, to white people than, say, a darker skinned woman like myself. And so um, they uh, um, experience higher pay, um, they get lesser sentencing time when they interface mm. with the criminal justice system, they um, have a better mate selection. Um, mm. within the marriage pool are most likely to um, be married um, over against darker skin um, women. Uh, so it's a host of, um, of things that, um, yeah, that, that there are interpersonal and structural realities that come along with um, colorism. 
Yeah. So what, and, and this is a question that you phrase in the book, but I like your answer. And so I'd like you to, to lean into that. What does our Bible actually have to say about colorism? Um, because you actually quote a part of Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. I'm not sure which one of those I'm supposed to say. It depends on the book mm-hmm. that I have, uh, the, mm-hmm. the Bible that I have. Mm-hmm. I never read that part, mostly because I grew up Baptist, so we don't talk about anything that could be not from Paul. If Paul didn't write mm-hmm. it, then we're not talking about it. Um, <laughs> so maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's my church, but I feel like that's right. Um, yeah, we don't talk about Peter. We don't do James. It's, it's Paul or the Gospels. That's all we get. That's, that's it. <laughs> um, so what does the Bible have to say about colorism? Oh, yeah. I think the Bible has to say a lot about it. Um, it's absolutely a sin, um, mm. a wicked one like that. Um, and uh, it has been nailed to the cross and it will be um, cast into the pits of hell. Hallelujah. Um, but until then, <laughs> until that full manifestation of that reality um, comes to play, uh, comes into play, of course, upon Christ's return, uh, we have to do the work of dismantling um this, that structural um, mm. wickedness, uh, which is what colorism is, just, just as we need to do that with white supremacy and racism, you know, um, and sexism and misogyny and all those things. You know, we, we have to do the work um, of naming it um, and then uh, dismantling it um, and making repair uh, for those things. Um, or, or, yeah, and for, for those ways that, that that oppresses, you know, in this case, dark skin. Do you remember like last year I had all those weird ad breaks, like it would just randomly be something? We're not doing that. Instead, I thought I'd do this. I need your help if you're able to. Head on over to the website for the show. There are two things that you can do. One is you head over to the website, you click the Patreon button or support button, I forget what I call it and you jump in there. Those people help make the show a thing so that you can listen to it right now. Two, the easier one, you could just leave a rating and a review on the podcast app of choice that you currently use. Either one of those is fine, but I would love it if you would do either one, specifically the rating and reviewing. It's an exponential thing that the algorithms pick it up and that's just math. It's just compounding on top of itself. Anyway, all that to say, that was it. That was the ad break. Now we're gonna get back into it. I understand why that's a thing because it's it's based upon an unrealistic uh, here's what it is to be beautiful, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, uh, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But I, I want to talk about it less from a personal angle in the story that you tell in the book, which is heartbreaking. Um, like, I, I'm sorry that that ever happened to anyone. Because um, that can't, that's not, that can't just be your story. Um, that's, I'm sure that's millions of people's story. Um, but you talk about, again, in the diaspora chapter, the bleachification of Christ. And so how do those kind of conflate? And, and for those listening, like the, 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 what I'm talking about is you, you tell a story in the chapter, in the very first chapter of the book of, of a cream that you're like applying to your skin that's changing the pigment of your skin, um, but only where you're applying it, which seems weird, which when you apply bleach to things, it, it's damaging. So I'll let people's imagination kind of run away with that. But, but yeah, how is that related to the bleachification of Christ? 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, when you think about the fact that, I mean, I guess they're, they're all interrelated, even from colorism to decolonized discipleship, even down to, um, you know, um, the diaspora dreams chapter. And then even if you were to go into the singleness one, in the way that colorism, you know, also impacts um, my story of singleness. Um, you know, I talk about in decolonized discipleship, uh, cry, uh, the picture of white Jesus as a controlling image. Um, that's meant to make you despise who you are. Mm. Um, it's meant to make you think white is right. Uh, black, it, black is not. Um, and so when you have an image, a controlling image, um, that, which is Patricia Hill Collins's language, not my own, but I do cite her um, in the book. Um, that's from black feminist thought. But, you know, I, yeah, I mean, you have that controlling image of, of white Jesus. That, that's from very early. In a host of different church spaces, including black church spaces, by the way, mm. um, you know, you haven't, you have, it makes you think that this gospel is actually not for you, mm. which is how you know how much of a myth, uh, a dangerous and diabolical um, myth that is when you're talking about an Eastern, uh, Eastern religion <laughs> yeah. that is Afro-Asiatic in nature. What in the world? Like, how can we ever think that this gospel is not for us as black people? But that is what you're made to think, which is why there, there's this echo and continual question about is Christianity the white man's religion? Because all you see is white Jesus and all you see is white angels and all your, yeah. your little picture book from when you Bible from when you're from when you're young have all white characters till this day. Still, yeah. my niece has one of those and I, I have got to buy her a Bible that does not have that. But that's already implanting, you know what I mean, these seeds um, that lets you know that white is right and black is not. And so if you have that type of mentality, you're internalizing that. That's internalized racism. That's internalized. Uh, and that's white supremacy right there. You know, the normalization of whiteness over against everything else. So everything else is, it's everything else is other, right? Yeah. And so you're othered. And so you begin to take those images in and you think, oh, white is right, clearly, because even in my Bible, everybody's white, you yeah. know, or false <laughs> but um but yeah so then you begin to really you you take those messages in and then you look at the media that's what you see you look at magazine that's what you see uh the the especially if you're a black woman then you see on tv huh i see black men with white women what wow like that is that's the way you, that that is the message that you're yeah. getting so as a dark-skinned um black girl growing up in california where you saw that all the time, I'm thinking I need to be lighter, you know, so that I can have the benefits and the privileges that, you know, my light skin uh, sisters have, you yeah. know, and even that ad, there's an ad in the book that confirms. That's so that's <laughs> when I sat down the book, like, like that's, that's when I set it down. Cause let me, let me find the ad. I, I think I have the page number written down. Like, like literally I was angry. Cause I don't know where you got that. That looks like microfish, but like for those listening, like, it, like here's, here's the ad break. So it says the nicest things that happen to girls with light, bright complexions, which is ridiculous. But then just even in the thing, has your phone quit ringing lately? Perhaps your complexions to blame. Like that's when I set the thing down. I'm like, well, this is what, what this is. How is this? The, mm, like how is it like, I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't I don't know like I don't this not I, I can't I don't know how to put words to it like I'm so mad um I'm so mad because it's just wrong like it's, it's just wrong, yeah. I don't know 
I'm very rarely speechless. I'm still mad about that stupid ad. I don't think I would have been as mad if the ad wasn't in there. And I'm blaming this on, on you or your, or your, your. Yeah, I put that in there because I wanted people to know, because I think oftentimes the con- conversation of colorism result, resorts into gaslighting. It's in your head. You're making it up. No, here's the data. Yeah. Here's the ad. Here are the numbers. Here's the stats. I'm not making, we're not making it up. <laughs> yeah. This is real. So. Yeah. What is that ad in? Like, where did that come from? Uh, Natanola, that was probably in all the Ebony's Jets, probably all of those um, huh. um, black magazines. But this one was um, from the African American um, His- Institute of Historical Studies, I believe. Mm. Where, yeah, there was that website that kind of uh, archives, there was an article on there about colorism. Yeah. And this was in there. And so, yeah. but it's not the first time I've seen those ads. I mean, Oh, well, it was for me. I'm still mad about it. Yeah, um, yeah, you can, yeah. And, yeah. and these things are everywhere. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is it to be a truth teller? I mean, you've got a table, right? You built this table. Uh, you didn't build a table. I don't know how to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this metaphor in a minute. What is it to, to tell the truth, like to be a truth teller? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, to be a truth teller is to um, be a lover of truth, first and foremost. <laughs> truth about ourselves. <laughs> The truth about ourselves in relation to God uh, and the truth about ourselves in relation to one another. Um, and I think that we have to love truth above all else, even when the truth um, cuts us, uh, mm. even when it doesn't it, it doesn't make us look too pretty. Right. <laughs> so we love the truth when we you know when we're being lauded and praised. Ah, but we don't love the truth when somebody is telling us that was messed up. You need to confess your sin and you need to repent and turn. Well, all of a sudden we can't hear anything. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, I don't know if I like that truth. or uh. I'm not sure if you're seeing that right. And so I think it's, first and foremost, you have to be able to um, love truth, I think, for yourself, even when it's hard to receive. Um, and then, um, you know, and then out of that place, you, you tell the truth to others. But as an outworking of love, um, not as a weapon, used to lord it over other people or to harm other people, but just to tell them, nah, this is the way you need to go walk in it <laughs> because God has better for you. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, yeah there, it comes with a lot of, uh, it comes at a lot of uh, a great cost. Let's say yeah. it comes at great cost. Yeah. So there's a part where you tell a joke in here of a website, which is not, it's spelt out in a weird way. Maybe it's just the, the arc copy that I have, but it's a hot mess.com. And, and you're talking about it again in that oh, first chapter. Yeah. So I, I went to that and, and it's not, it's available. Like you could, you could buy that again. Like you could buy that website. So what would you do with that website? Like you get off this and you're like, Oh, I'm taking that. I want that. Like, what are you going to do with that website? That's so funny that you went to the website. I just wanted to see. I did the who is. I'm like, hey, she could have this. I'm going to tell her. A little, uh, yeah, hotmess.com. Oh, God, I don't know. (laughs) What what is not a hotmess.com? Elon Musk buying Twitter. That's a hotmess.com. I still don't know what to do with that. It's more than a hot mess. Actually, it's very dangerous. Actually, what's happening? Um, there's a lot. I mean, there's just a lot on there. Oh, I don't even know. I just guess this. Ugh. We don't have all day, honestly. There's a lot of mess and chaos. Well, you know? I read it and I was like, I wonder if that's even available. I was like, Hey, it is. So I, I feel like I had to tell you because funny domains are cheap. You know, just just get that and sit on it. Do whatever you want to do with it later. That's funny. I would rather, um, you know, go to joyful things. You know, I would say Black Joy side or something. I'm just like, oh, 
there's enough mess to go around. I don't even want to dwell on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in it, in the chapter on decolonizing discipleship, um, which those two words by themselves probably need to be broken apart, which you do in, in the chapter. But you say, if I'm being honest, I become increasingly concerned with the way that our people are leaving the faith and thereby throwing out the proverbial baby with uh, baby out with the bathwater due to legitimate racial trauma, hypocrisy, church hurt, and spiritual abuse. And then the time has come long overdue for the church to implement decolonized discipleship. And I, I can say I, I hear a lot of that. So I get a lot of emails um, from the show. You talked about at the beginning, starting a podcast, not knowing what the heck you were doing. And I, and I hear that. And all of a sudden, I think I'm also five or six years in. I get hundreds of emails a month. I have conversation with people that I probably should not be having because I'm not a pastor and I'm not trained in anything other than banking to have any kind of conversations of merit with people. You know what I mean? Um, and it becomes its own thing. And I don't know how to answer those questions, but I hear so many people saying, I'm, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm just done with all of this. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I think you're right. People are just like, I'm, I'm done. Another story came out. Here we go. Julie Roy's published another post. This person did another thing. This pastor mm-hmm. did this. And I'm done. I'm just, I'm sick mm-hmm. of it. I'm done with it. I'm over with it. So what, what kind of is that to name that, that decolonized discipleship? Like naming that, what is that? And kind of how does that work? Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I so I wrote this, uh, uh, a blog called the uh, blog post called uh, decolonized discipleship. Um, I mean, back in 2018, before this recent or more modern movement toward deconstruction mm. um, and I guess decolonization is what some people, you know, they use, some people use the term synonymously. Um, I don't know. I, I see them as two different projects, which is why I put forth a different framework, you know, for mm. how to approach um, decolonized discipleship, which is like, I'm just really calling us to disentangle. Um the, the Christian faith, the Eastern Christian faith, um, from the sinful um, mechanisms and additives uh, of American Christianity and those trappings that are uh, ensnaring many people and are really a stumbling block to a lot of people. Um, rightfully so. You know, so to me, I, I, I thought it was important to be able to say, like, no, this is legitimate. The, the pains or hurts, the things that you're witnessing, they're legitimate, legit, you know. Um, but don't, <laughs> don't forsake Jesus, you know, don't throw away the face, you know, behind these things. There, there is, you can get to the other side, you know, and I guess you could say, this is kind of like, here's how, <laughs> yeah. like I too have experienced, you know, some of these things and I give, you know, those examples, you know, in a host, a variety of different um, spaces in which I, I've been in. So to me, it was important to be able to kind of thread that needle so that people can see like, oh, there's another way, y'all. Like, don't run, don't run. Yeah. Don't, don't let go of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of when you're traumatized like that, you're subject to black and white thinking. And so you really just can't do nuance because your brain is stuck. You know, so it's just like, it's all, all good or it's all bad. You yeah. know, and yeah. so, so it's like, no, there is another way. So that's why I had to name that, the, the racial trauma and the um, the fallout from the Trump regime. That's That's really what, the wages of, of what we're seeing now is, the, yeah, is the consequences yeah. of uh, election. And so I'm curious. So you write in that same chapter on decolonizing um, discipleship, or um, maybe I'm saying that those backwards. Um, you've got a couple different uh, things that humans should do as they're evaluating how to wrestle with this. 
And so I'd like to read those questions, but more importantly, which is the one do you think is for you right now, or, or if someone was reading this chapter, emails you and says, hey, I need to wrestle and I need to do some work here. Um, so the questions are, so which one do you feel like is, is, is where you should start? And, and I kind of will tell you where it is for me, and, and, and maybe that's why, maybe I'm wrestling with this. Actually, I'm certain that I'm, I'm wrestling with this. So, um, so some of the questions that you should ask yourself, it says when your church is, when you're evaluating, evaluating whether or not your, your church is deriving their theology from kingdom or empire. Um, so some of those questions are, does this theology call me to a deep love for God that causes me to pursue holiness and radical love for my neighbor? Does it benefit, or, or does this theology cause uh, me to benefit at the privilege of the expense of the marginalized? Does it call for good news for everyone, regardless of their racial or socioeconomic status? And then you go on, and if, I won't read them all. Um, but then the one that hits the most for me is, does this theology cause me to look in the mirror and marvel at God's handiwork instead of despising my reflection? Um, and I don't even mean that in like a, like I'm a bald white dude. Like I'm not the most attractive man. I, maybe I used to be when I had hair, but I'm not anymore. Like I don't even mean it that way. Like I mean it like a soul level. Like no, you're you're right where you need to be. Like you're, you're whole, you're loved, you're loved, you know. Um, so of those questions, which one do you think would be the one that you would respond back with and say, yeah, wrestle with this because this one is pivotal to the rest? Uh, it's hard to say, honestly. It kind of depends on who it is, right? Um, it depends on their social location, I think. Mm. You know, like for that last one, like, you know, do you like who you see in the mirror? Mm. You know, like, do you, are you able to? And really what I'm getting at for that person, because it, it is, um, this. I mean, this is the chapter that's probably a little bit more, um, that go, extends a little bit beyond the table into the, st- into the standing section um, room, if you will. That's what we call the standing section. Everybody that's not a Black woman at True Stable is, or, or a fan of True Stable is in the standing room section. Um, and so I think that's, <laughs> that does get at the fact that, um, you know, the ways in which we are um, taught to despise and to hate ourselves. And, you know, and so it's like, man, like, which again, is that kind of like that controlling image of that, of that, that Jesus and that whiteness and like, what, you know, how do, do I, do I, do I love myself? Do, can I say that? I am good, like that my blackness is good. Can you say that? So it depends on who, you know, mm-hmm. is asking me um, or who is inquiring. It depends on their social location and where they are. I think all of them are helpful diagnostic questions to see where you're at, you mm-hmm. know, and, and why, you know, uh, why did you, or where did you even begin to formulate or, um, yeah, that, that thought around either theology or, um, your church context or about yourself, you know, like where did that start? And, you know, causing people to really do some serious introspection, mm. you know, um, and soul searching. Cause I really can't give you the answers to that. I can't only, only these are, these are questions meant for you and God to wrestle with and for you to take into your prayer closet. So even if a person was to email me, I'd be like, I'm glad you're wrestling with that. I invite you to go and talk to God about that. Yeah. One and then I will invite you, you know, to go and talk to your pastor about these things because um I do think the the this book um it provides all, as a holistic um, discipleship um book I just I do think it it, it lends yeah. itself well I'd say to the church to be able to talk about real things that people probably felt were off limits yeah, yeah. church you know that yeah. things that 
they feel like maybe God has nothing to say about these things because they don't hear it spoken about. Quite literally, and, the reason the name of the show is the name of my show. That's quite literally uh, the reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I had so, a friend, he lives over in Charlottesville. Um, uh, and he's okay. like, yeah, we don't, we don't talk. You know, you're not, can't talk about these topics. Like you can't talk about homosexuality or racism or money or politics. You know, you can't talk about that stuff in, at the church. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's it. You gave it to me, Josh. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to talk a bit about that standing room because that's, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm not at that table. Like I'm in that standing room. How long before you leave the standing room and they're standing, the waiting area there. And then what do you do afterwards? Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, for our standing room section people, uh, it's, um, it's, it's about supporting the table. <laughs> I think that's one thing that, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, I support, I love Tracy, I support them, but, but none of that, that, that support is not shown in tangible ways, whether that's through purchasing our book, right? supporting and actually reading <laughs> the thoughts of black women and reading us as credible sources, just like you read everybody else and you see them as credible sources and you pre-order immediately, right? Right. When your favorite theologian, whoever that is, mm-hmm. most likely white male uh, theologian drops a new book or has another book about prayer coming out. You're like, okay, what else is this person going to tell me about prayer? But, but because you're sold out <laughs> on this person, you're going to buy the book. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> um, and so I think that's, that's a tangible way. Obviously there's also, um, there's, I mean, although we produce good content and there's things that, um, there's so many more things that we love to do, but we, we lack resources. And so, yeah. uh, which we're grateful for our Patreon community, but I think the standing room section, uh, what they can do is support the work of truth table. Yeah. Literally like $5, $10 a month, whatever, you know, to support the work of truth table um, and the content that we, that we um, produce so that we can, you know, pay staff and, you know, and, and, and keep uh, the work of the truth of truth table going, prayer producers, you know, all of those things that keep the show going um, mm-hmm. and, and, and apply what you're also reading. So not just take it in, um, as an intellectual exercise, which that's good, um, but also do the soul work of, of soul searching, of searching your own soul about these topics, about these issues, um, and learning and asking God, how, how can I love Black women better? How can I better serve my neighbor? I did not know this. I, I did not know about colorism. That is heartbreaking. It's terrible. It's wicked. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and so, like, what does that mean, you know, in order to, or what does it look like to be an advocate, um, to be able to speak out when you see it yeah. in action, or you see it in yourself, and to, you know, and to being able to check yourself as well, right, and to check your, check your, your, um, your associates and your, your, your um, business partners, right, and your, your coworkers when you hear them speaking up, you know, when, when it's time to speak up. That, yeah. you know, so, so putting these things into practice in so many, there's so many different ways. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that the getting room section can get involved. Yeah. Just a small aside for those listening that have been listening to episodes for, for years um, with me. Um, I have never learned more than when I read a book from uh, someone that is not a white male. Um, quite literally, um, a lot of the shifts in my life have come from women in my life, people of color in my life, um, 
I was challenged by a quote from Professor Sun Chung Ra that basically said, hey, if you feel like you're not in an echo chamber, just look at the books on the wall. And if you don't see anybody that isn't a white guy, uh, you're wrong. Like, I'm sorry if you're upset about that. And that's a paraphrase of his quote, but you're, yeah. you're just wrong. Um, yeah. And I was wrong years ago. I still am wrong a lot of the time. Just ask my kids and my wife and, and anyone else in my family. Uh, but I have never been stretched more profoundly um, than by people that, that don't look like me. And, and I think that's the way that it should be because that's, that's what it is to be in relationship with one another. Like sure. that's what it is to be a faith community together. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love my wife and we don't agree on a lot of things, um, of but I still learn from that. So just a small aside, you're right. Um, and for those listening, she's right. Um, so do something about it. Uh, so the question I like to ask everybody Kimani, is when you try to like wrap words around God or the divine or whatever adjective you want to put there now and there, like, what is that? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, God, uh, yeah, um, yeah, God is, um, goodness, I don't, yeah, God is just beyond, <laughs> um, beyond what our um, finite minds and man, uh, minds and imaginations can even hold or even contain. Um, God is uh, uh, thrice holy. I don't think that we uh, emphasize God's holiness enough um, and God's threeness. Um, and yeah, yeah, God is um, thrice holy, um, triune, one God in three persons, you know, um, compassionate and abounding in love. Um, and God is my friend, mm. you know, God is my friend. Jesus is my friend. And I get to say that. And I'm grateful for the gift of being able to say that. Because I was, Jesus was not always my friend. I was an enemy of God. You know, I'm very clear about that. That's about telling the truth. I was an enemy of God, um, and now I've been brought near, um, and, and um, have become a yeah, have become a friend of God and a co-heir with Christ. Um, so no matter what happens, <laughs> no matter what opposition, you know, um, I face, um, I know that at the end of the day. Um, I have a place in God's house and that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And honestly, that's everything. And that's all that matters. At the end of the day, when we're living in such perilous times and we don't know when our lives will be demanded of us, you need to know that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you don't know, then you need to come to Jesus um, mm. and, and try, try Jesus um, and, and, and taste and see that God is good. And mm. so, that's what I would say mm. about God. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. So see, now I feel bad. I love that answer. But now I feel bad that I took that prayer time away from you this morning and instead threw that on you in, in the similar time that you're supposed <laughs> to be. Yeah. Um, no, I like how open-ended the question is. And that's what I edit all together. Um, and it always ends up like, it's literally me saying, hey, we made it to the end of the year. Here we go. And I don't, you don't hear another word from me. And so it ends up being like an hour and 20 minutes of just people speaking of what God is. And it is literally the most powerful hour of whatever the episodes are that I, like, I don't know why, like it's magical. And it does like, it, it weaves a story where I'm like, oh, that sounds a lot like Luke. Like I've heard that story before. Or wow, that sounds a lot like Amos or what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Something is powerful. And I love that, that darn question and that answer. So, all right. So people are listening and they're like, yeah. 
um, I need to do something. Where where is it most effective for them to to buy the to buy the book to do the things um, to get on 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 Elon Musk's Twitter and support y'all? Whatever they need to do. Um, I figured I would play right off of. I don't know what that is. Um, like, where do you want people to go to support what you're doing and 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 and, and support the table there? Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways that you can support um, our work. Obviously, primarily, we want you to. First and foremost, buy the book, mm-hmm. Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation. Um, and then we, because, uh, yeah, you get our, our thoughts there. Um, and then uh, you can always listen to our podcast, you know, Truth Table, Black Women's Musings on, uh, wait, wait a minute, Truth Table. <laughs> <laughs> podcast is Truth Table. season six right now um and you can always support our work on patreon that is helpful patreon.com slash choose table that is how we are able to pay you know pay a lot but pay our social media manager our administrators you know our production team um and you'll get videos you know we have video episodes that we give to our patrons oh really watch us in action you know so they get you do get a little something from us um and then we always you know try to put in updates and things like that in there um and then we also uh, myself and christina uh we after this um season um it's it's just actually actually starting probably mid-summer just myself and christina moving forward with truth table and we also have a podcast called getting the word with truth table so So that's the second podcast or yeah we launched that one during um, in January, January one, and so that's a daily audio Bible podcast where you hear myself and Christina reading the Bible. You, you said daily, yeah, that one's daily. Oh my, yep. So that one's that's intense because it's like, oh, you're always recording. So I gotta <sighs> do some. I did a recording yesterday. I gotta do some more recordings probably tomorrow. I, won't I got anxious just now. I got anxious for you. Daily audio pod, Bible podcast is called Get in the Word with Truth's Table. And then, of course, you can support us on our Patreon. That's another way yeah. to support our work because that is a labor of love. You know, um, it's been good getting in the Word, but it is like daily is much different than weekly. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, you guys can support us um, that way. And so those are the ways you can support us. But, yes, please do buy um, Truth's Table. Um, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation. Buy a couple copies, give them away. It is a type of book where I think it's like, because of the things that we're talking about, I, I do get a sense that it's the type of book you're going to give away to some <laughs> to people when you're talking like, you need to read this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the kind of book that I, I have a sense that it's like, you're going to have a hard time holding on to because a lot of people going to be like, yeah. ah, you no. need to read this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I um, I have another book like that. I keep buying copies and I keep giving it away. It's um, Professor Sun Chung Ra and Mark Charles's last book. I don't know if you're familiar with that book oh, or yeah. not. Um, yeah. On the I, I can't, the name of the book escapes me now. It's a white cover. Um, yeah. I I bought that book six times and I still don't have one here. Um, yeah. And the yeah. one that I gave away first has all of my highlights and notes in it, and I can't remember who I gave it to. But I would like I will give them another one if they're listening. They're local here where I live. I just can't yeah. remember who it was. Yeah. Um, so the benefit of the, the truth table book is that um, there is at, at the back of the book is an opportunity for you to, mm. it says my musings. So a couple of pages, you know, so that you're able to, you know, just write. Write what you, you need know? to write. Yeah. It's going to definitely bring up some feelings. Uh, yeah. For, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so 
So buy your copy and then, you know, you can write your your musings. And when you write your musings, you're probably not going to want to give away that copy. That's why you probably want to get a couple copies so you can give them away. <laughs> you know, because those are going to be pretty personal because of the, the sensitive na- nature of the topics that we're talking about. Too. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, thank you for what you've written um, and for that and for that labor. And thanks for being here this morning. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, I haven't added it up, but there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of podcasts on the internet. And I am humbled that you continue to download this one. If this is your first time here, please know that there are transcripts of these shows. Not always in real time, but I do my best. And if you go back in the logs, you can find transcripts for pretty much any episode that you'd like. The show is recorded and edited by me, but it is produced by the patron supporters of the show. That is one of the best, if not the best way that you can support the show. If you get anything at all out of these episodes, if you think on them or if you, you know, you're out and about and you tell your friends about it or, hey, mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, boss, pastor, here's what I heard. What are your thoughts on that? If this is helping you in any way, and it is helping me, consider supporting the show in that manner. It is extremely inexpensive, but collectively, it is so very much helpful. Now, for you... I pray that you are blessed and you know that you're cherished and beloved. We'll talk soon. What do we spend it on when we're gone? And ain't just to come and say just a ride. Soon rage the battles of the light. Soon rage the few with all the might. Against the terrors of the night. With no side of you from the death to the higher. I want to live for something bigger than me. Stronger than fear. Brighter than apathy. Yeah.